Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM. And also at www.triplehfm.com.au via your web streaming on a Tuesday night. And then later via podcast at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts. Tune in, iTunes, Spotify, League Whistle, steelsports.com.au, wherever you go to pick up this special edition of Splinters where we look at the fallout, the continuing fallout of the COVID-19 emergency that has engulfed us all and has uh, taken over our lives and reshaped how we look at things on and off the field in nearly every aspect of our existence in the year 2020. No different in rugby league. The decision to cull and terminate, abandon the Canterbury Cup, the flagship competition of the New South Wales Rugby League, the first time in 113 seasons or 112 years that the New South Wales Rugby League will not present a flagship major open-age premiership at the end of the season. A momentous decision that had to be taken, if you believe the establishment, maybe looked at a bit hastily if you take an opposing view. We'll look at both of those views over the next hour or so for Magpies Waitara, the action attraction of the North Shore, one of the clubs badly affected by the closures and the lockdowns of recent weeks. Well, we go to one of those clubs affected, perhaps the most famous club of them all uh, that currently play at the New South Wales Rugby League level. The Newtown Jets, who have already been thrown out in their history once from the New South Wales Rugby League. They've made the comeback and they are arguably the most well-known and perhaps the most highly supported club uh, that play second-tier football of the Rugby League nature today. They are the current defending national Second Division and New South Wales Canterbury Cup champions. Now, that's a title that they're going to take into 2021 after not having the opportunity to defend their title in 2020. It was a privilege to catch up on the bench last Friday night with Albie Tallarico, former broadcaster here at uh, Triple H, now proprietor of Steel Sports, and a current director on the board of the Newtown Jets to get their view on the events of recent times. Albie Tallarico the proprietor of Steel Sports, uh, his lordship of the Papal Lands, former caller on this station and current director of the Newtown Jets, has gladly uh, taken some time out uh, from his place in isolation to join us on the bench this evening. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Tony. How are you doing? Very well. We're uh, surviving this rather unique time in our lives. We... We all grew up and read about stories during the war, or about the war, about the Great Depression. We thought it would never happen to us. Well, it is happening to us right now, isn't it? Yeah, it has, and it's unfortunate. I mean, it, the, the, the tragedy of it is that um, um, there are those people that, you know, are in their 70s and 80s that, you know, don't, that deserve more respect than to go out this way. And there are those that are young that have that have captured this this insidious disease, this virus, that are you know that have got underlying situations. You know, I have to be very careful. I have an underlying lung issue. It's been there for about thirty five years. 
And it's one of those things you've just got to be really careful. You've got to be wary about where you're going now. And it's a fray. And, and the sad indictment is that you've got to watch out how you live. Whereas before, I could jump down in the ocean. And one hour in the salt water is, is like God's great path, makes everything feel better. But you, that's, that's already been taken away from us. And I think that's a little bit frustrating when those people have, have had their routine for such a long time now that that routine is broken. And that's what I don't think the government truly understands about the social distancing, is that people of that age, age and era have a routine and they stick to it because what they know and it's how they survive. And my mother's exactly the same. She goes to the same place every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. That's all gone. And that's the hard bit to take. But that's another story for another day, almost another Wikipedia page. Take us back to... As a director of the Newtown Jets, how you firstly found out the timeline about firstly the competition being suspended and then the drastic step a week ago today about the Canterbury Cup being canned and abandoned for the year. Yeah, I'm, I, I was privy to a little bit of knowledge and I'd worked out a little what The moment people go silent, you generally know something's up. Uh, and so I pretty much preempted with the fact that things weren't going to be good. I was hoping we'd get half a season. I was really hoping we'd get half a season. And I understand, you know, that the, the whole uh, requirements side of it as well. And the problem is because there are a lot of part-time players, they're going to be having from all places to train, all places to play. And I understand that. I'd like to think that hopefully this will be over in, in, in less than six months and we get some sort of round-robin competition. I don't know if it's possible. But I'd love to see it happen. I mean, if the NRL are going to have these competitions and still try and get up either in August, I would think it's realistic to play August, September, and October with the semi-finals in November, which is what I think will happen. So it'll be a 12 or 13 week competition. Wouldn't it be fantastic to have the Canterbury Cup as the curtain raiser on grand final day, even if it's in a reduced capacity? It would be nothing short of amazing, and it could be done. There are grounds that are available, and by that time, the players would be trained up and contracted out. But I'll leave that to the experts. Sometimes the mathematicians get it right, and people like us get it wrong. But it's incredibly sad. I mean, you know, I've followed rugby league since 1977, I suppose that'd be about the right time, and I've never missed a season. Even when I was very, very sick, strangely enough, I, I didn't even miss a game. As I said, I was very sick some years ago, and ended up on the life support in a coma. But I managed to make sure that I started the camera after St George on the Sunday and woke up just early on the, the following Sunday to watch St George in the afternoon match. So, you know, sometimes but there's nothing at the moment. And I feel sorry because that's our routine. All routine, my routine. We love our footy and, and we've had that taken away from us as well. And, and for new champs that rely on crowds is now almost like history has repeated itself and only the cast has changed except for maybe one or two people. But All right, take us, well, take us through that then. Take us through that yeah, then. Well, as, as, as to, as... weren't invited back into the competition. They had enormous debt. Uh, and it was around the recession. Uh, Malcolm Fraser was the Prime Minister back then. And unfortunately, there was a recession and, and Newtown had borrowed too much. They'd had some glory years of 1980, in particular, 81, made the grand final. And only really just got beat when you think about it, but they were up against the star side of Parramatta side, who, when you think about it, had been in many grand finals from 1976. It was the decade of the year between 76 and 86, when you look at the numbers, the figures of that. And Newtown almost stopped them in their tracks. It was very close. Uh, and had maybe Steve Bowden played in that game, things could have been a whole lot different. Uh, that's but absolutely, but it wasn't to be, and uh, he made himself uh, unavailable with that uh, rather infamous uh, minor semi-final against Manly. 
in the middle yeah. of that final series when um, he used uh, Mark Broadhurst's head as a punching uh, bag uh, virtually, but that's another story. So after that, after that came the 1982 season and then the, the Night of the Long Knives when after Canberra and Illawarra were brought in, they needed to cut some teams and Western Suburbs held on and fought hard and held on and fought hard and fought tooth and nail to eventually get what they've got now with the West Tigers. Um, however... Well, let's not forget that it was a gift because the, the two clubs on the chopping block were Cronulla and West. And with Newtown having financial difficulty, it was a gift for the New South Wales Rugby League that they could cut aside and probably get away with it. And they did. And Newtown came very close with being the Campbell. They started to move everything out to Campbelltown, and they were going to become uh, the Campbelltown, Campbelltown Newtown Jets or the Newtown Campbelltown Jets. But it had started that way, um, and they played out there. And they played, quite, you know, quite a few of the games out there in 1983 at Campbelltown. It was Arana Parker. Correct. Was That's right. And they were supposed to line up a deal, and, there, and everything was in the, was the right place. But unfortunately, the group, which was led by John Marsden at the time out there, said no. Um, they they canned it at the last minute. They'd all had agreement. It was ready to happen. And uh, he pulled the pin, and that was the end of that. And, and unfortunately for Newtown, that was the end of them. Players were prepared to play for nothing for season 1984, uh, but the league would have none of it. And it's ironic to think that they sold the club to the Cyprian Society. Now, the Cyprian Society are still there, and that particular venue is now worth somewhere around the vicinity of $80 million. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's that's the venue now on the uh, foreshores at um, at, uh, at at uh, Kaima, is it not? Near the, uh, around oh, the corner no. from, the, from the... Well, no, no, the one, the one that the Cyprian Club took over was on Stanmore Road. Oh, that's right, the one on Stanmore yeah. Road. Sorry. No, I, another I... one you're thinking about, you're thinking of the Tempe Club. And that's fine. That was another part of our history as well, which we won't go into today. Mm. But today we announced a big major initiative for the club. Uh, it, it, if, you, if, you, if you can help out the club, go to the website, go to the Facebook page, go to newtownjets.com, press on the link, and uh, you get a great documentary uh, for a small amount of money. Uh, uh, you know, a little uh, great sticker, the old mobile or the Amtel, I think it might have been even mobile stickers back in the day, yep. uh, of Newtown Jets. And we're trying to survive because we've lost a whole season. I mean, when you think about it, there's 11 home games that bring in anywhere from thirty to $50,000 it's a big hole in the budget that we've got to fill. Absolutely. So, so, so you know, the only saving grace is that the costs are going to be way down, but it means that next year we're going to start in the red when we needed to be well and truly in the black. After the premiership of last year, you know, we were really big. We, 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 you know, everyone was talking about it, and to have this ripped away from us um, is nothing short of disgraceful. Well, um, that's something that we uh, can ask. I can just we, we can ask Dave Trodden when we get to speak to him at uh, another time in the not too distant future. Now, as far as Newtown though is concerned, you've already touched on the fact that the eleven home games were lost and some very big drawing games, the beer, wine, and footy festival yes. day, which yep. Yep. probably would have got to ten thousand people this year, which would have been more than a number of NRL games would have drawn in the city metropolitan area. The yep. uh, the match against North Sydney, the Frank Hyde Shield match, which would have got, at, at worst, 3,000 on a poor weather day, maybe five or 6,000 on a good weather day. I mean... Gen and generally other games, other home games, it would have got anywhere between 500 to 1,000 to 1,500 people that would have turned up. Now, they're crowds that no other Canterbury Cup club draws, with the possible exception of the North Sydney Bears... 
because you, the Newtown Jets are the only club or one of the few clubs that actually promote their games Correct. to the general public, particularly that inner west enclave of Marrickville through Stanmore, through Newtown, uh, through Dulwich Hill, into Summerhill, to Petersham, to Lewisham, that whole little inner west enclave, almost stretching to Leichhardt, that a lot of Newtown supporters have been found and that, yeah. and that you've drawn from in recent years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with the full credit, I mean, we did a synopsis on where the people come from. And strangely enough, within a two-square-kilometre radius, it seems to be about the 80% mark. So people walk up to the ground, they go and have a drink, they stop into a hotel, they have a drink or the club around the corner, and they pick up some food along the way. And then they go into the ground and have a few more drinks and a few more sausage sandwiches, and everyone has a great time. It's, it's, you know, they say it harks back to the old days, and it does. Nothing strange at Henson Park ever. It's still exactly the same as you and I remember it back when we were through to Winter Football in the 70s and 80s. It's exactly the same. has not changed a single bit. But that's the beauty of it, is that it's imperialistic nature of where you don't need all the bells and whistles, but the stars are on the field, and they know, and the fans know, and they cheer for their side, their local side, and they see Newtown, you know, as, as a part of their... their um, uh, what they do on a Saturday afternoon. What are you doing this afternoon? We're going to Newtown. I mean, the type of crowd that comes there, whereas back in the late 70s, early 80s, it was all workers because Newtown and Dunwich and the areas around there predominantly were blue-collar workers. We have bankers now. We have stockbrokers. And they all, you know, they dress poor, of course, but they go out there and they love their side and they bring the kids along. And you've seen it, Danny. You've sat on the sideline. Mm. And it's just one of those amazing afternoons. But... It will be back next year. I will say this about the New South Wales Rugby League. They have been nothing but supportive of what we're trying to do. And they've, they've said that they will do whatever is necessary to make sure that uh, history does not repeat itself. So on that behalf, I think they're trying to do the right thing. It's going to take a while for all these people through to work out where they are in the scheme of things, of course. But I think the NRL owes this town a big vote of thanks. And I think that in any rescue package or what have you, when they're giving a lot of money to the NRL clubs, they shouldn't forget what we've brought to the table. And when, I'm not expecting that they should give us huge funds, but you know what? A little bit of liquidity never goes, you know, goes goes well. Um, and I know that at the end of the day, we're all part of the rugby league family. I mean, you look at South Juniors; all their clubs are closed, but they're still trying. So they've decided what they're doing is they're renovating what they've got to renovate. So they've now got all the local businesses in the area and the people that do work for them to get the carpet clean, to get the chairs clean, to get this, to change the glass, to do this, to do that, and what they're trying to do is to you know, give back to the community that's been given to them. So people are thinking smarter, and I think that's a fantastic thing. And, and the guys on our board, Stu, and the, the president, Barry, has got to be given full credit. They have to have to rush this thing through. And they've put something together that's really special. And I think those people that jump on it, it's, it, it, it would cost anywhere from $10 to $100. It's the package that you choose, you'll get something fantastic. All right, then. So we'll, we'll come to the details of that in a moment, but you mentioned to me that you're worried that history will repeat itself. You've given us that the synopsis of that period from 1981, the grand final appearance through 82, then the last year in 83, and then the Night of the Long Knives at the end of 1983. What was your worry as a director of the Jets that history was going to repeat itself here, given that the competition was then cancelled and then... The, the cash flow dries up from the 11 home games for this mm. season and uh, with a view to starting from scratch as still the defending premiers, the loss of the 
of the, of the goodwill and the the training that you could have uh, worked off as defending national second division champions yeah. going into this year, how hard is that going to be to trade off going into 2021, given that 2019 is going to be almost a distant memory after we live through this? Yeah. And, and, and then secondly, and then secondly, how do you start from scratch when you mentioned you're going to be however many, 50, 70, 80, even $100,000 behind where you wanted to be at the start of 2021 when you eventually get to the start line? Well, we're very fortunate. We've got some smart people on the board. And, you know, like, you know, we don't have the backing of a leagues club, a major leagues club like many of the other, like North Street. North's got seven clubs. You know, even though they're closed at the moment, they've got reserves, and they will be able to, you know, they will get through this storm. We're a little club, and we only have the community behind us. But that's the one beautiful thing, is that we've got the community behind us. And a lot of smart people that have already given their ideas and put their hand up, we're already working on 2021's calendar. I started that today. We started the calendar, and what we've got, looking at what we've got planned, is going to be nothing short of amazing. We just have to be clever in how we do things now. We're going to start behind not just one eight ball next to the two eight balls, um, but we will we'll get through it. And I think the thing about it is that it's a shame we're not going to get any football this year, but you know, I think we're going to get there because, you know what, before I think it was a real kick in the gut, I think this time there's a little bit of resolve. But the other beautiful thing is as well is, is that the thing that saved us is, you know, we've got an alliance with an NRL club. Now, all the players that we had in last year's grand final, they're still contracted to Cronulla. So some of them will have a little bit of time off, but others that will be getting some game time in the NRL, hopefully towards the back end of this year, and they may go on to bigger and better things next year, but there'll be a couple of them that may not get picked that will still be in the train-on squad. They're coming back to us. So that's one of the saving graces is our relationship with Cronulla. And it's a very strange marriage, but it somehow works. And if you remember in a great musical called West Side Story, there was a, the Jets <laughs> and the Sharks. They were against each other. Well, we call it the inner West Side Story. I mean, still the Jets <laughs> and the Sharks, but we're together now. It's, uh, and, uh, and, that's, and that's fantastic. So that's a saving grace because unlike last time, I think in the 1980s, we had a really huge player cost. This time, we don't have as many, so we can absorb lots of things. But though everyone has said they'll put their hand up and do it for nothing. That is just the undermining factor. Everyone has got in the front foot here and said, whatever needs to be done, will get done. And next year's calendar will be chock-a-block full of stuff. And hopefully, we'll get one or two extra home games, which will just offset any losses from this year. And we'll have to work that. It'll take a couple of years to filter through. But I think the community will get behind us as well. And when they get to Henson Park, as you well know... Uh, it's nothing short of a fantastic afternoon there. We just have to be smarter in how we do it, work with the TV station. We get them there, and, you know, I've already spoken to Fox about next year, and I said, listen, I know you guys do the 1240 game, but if we can get a game that's scheduled at 3 o'clock, why don't you do a double-header from Henson Park in front of 10,000 people? And I said, you've already got the guys there. You're paying them for six hours. You might as well have them there and do something to set it back on the truck heading back. And the response has been, you know what, this could work. So... You know, we've got to think smarter and we've got to talk to our sponsors and all those sponsors that have given us money have said, no, we don't want it back. That's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll look after us next year. So that's another saving well, grace. That was, that was going to be my next question. The sponsors that you have on board and you have some big ones and you have some little ones, yep. have any of them come to you with the handout saying we want our money back? Not one. That's great. Isn't that great? And that's because I think of the goodwill that's been built up from the Cherry Roundies and your Barry Cotters and Barry Vining before him. I mean, this is a great Newtown story. Barry Vining was the president of Newtown for a long time, as you as you well know. Yeah. And he got replaced by Barry Cotter. Both their middle names are Noel. 
that is just so Newtown. Um, and that's the thing that keeps us going, is that the history and the heritage is still there. And, you know, you've got your old political alliances and your allegiances and things like that, but the council are well behind us. So we're hoping that they bring forward a return of the, of the grass there, which I know the AFL want as well. They do that and bring everything forward instead of October to now, or even in the next month or so, by this time next year, the grass will be nothing short of amazing. It will be of NRL quality. And hopefully I will be able to give you an exclusive towards the back end of the year regarding that, but I'm giving you something away. Oh, okay, all right. Well, 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 we'll watch this space uh, with great interest. Now, look, what about yourself? You've, you've just mentioned some, you know, some insights on your health that I, knew, I never knew about until we started this uh, interview this evening. Um, how much of a strain has all of this been on you personally? Because you do have that other venture that sometimes we broadcast in opposition to yep. each other, but as colleagues rather than cutthroat rivals that the commercial uh, sphere does, because I always believe that we in the non-commercial sector are there because we want to be there, whereas those in the commercial sector are there because they have to be there, which is a distinct difference. Uh, but... How much has not having any football had an effect on, on you? I think you touched on it that it's taken, it's thrown your routine out. Um, oh, how, else, how else has it affected you? Well, it, well, you know, basically it, it's, it's, uh, it's in suspension, I suppose. You know, it's in suspension, which is... But we've got some ideas for some things coming up, as you well know. I mean, you guys did the... I've got your Splinter's podcast, and that's another way to communicate with fans. Uh, I'm very busy with work at the moment, as you can appreciate. Absolutely. You know, in the property industry, and I know that there's a lot of property managers out there. Some are probably listening on their way home tonight because they're a part of an essential service. And, and they're doing it tough at the moment. It's incredibly struggling because there's about, you know, as, as and, I've, and I've gauged that our, our unemployment rate would any, be anywhere from 12 to 15% based on the amount of people that are asking for help. Uh, and there are genuine ones, and we're trying to work with the genuine ones, but there are ones that are already taking advantage. And that upsets me a lot because I have to spend as much time on the ones that are taking advantage as I do on the ones that are genuine. Overall, the people that we're dealing with understand that we are trying to help them. And I think about 95% of landlords that I deal with at the moment are going to help them. And that's a fantastic thing. And things like that are, are happening in the right direction. But, it's, you know, it's, it's 12-hour days. It's, it's long days. As you, you know, it's just very, very tough at the moment. But we will... Uh, we will soldier on and we will uh, we will get through it and hopefully when we get to the other side, it'll be all worth it. Well, it will have to be because um, it's going to be a long haul through through all of this. Um, do you think... What's your gut feeling then about getting back on the field this year with the NRL? Peter Volandis, as I mentioned in the first half of the program, he's a, I worked with him or tried to work with him 25 years ago, back in the days when he was just the... Uh, the secretary of the New South Wales Harness Racing Club at Harold Park, and he was a my way or highway uh, merchant back then. Yeah. He's, yep. uh, he's he's the sort of uh, hard-nosed individual that perhaps the game needs right now. The history of the game suggests that the best administrators have been the dictators. Me, you were in a function, Tony, and you said rugby league has always been at its best when they've had a dictator in charge, yep. whether it was uh, Flegg or whether it was... Uh, Buckley. Uh, Humphreys and Buckley, they were tough. And even Arthurson and Quayle formed a pair of hard dictators. Even though they were both club-aligned to the Roosters and to Manly, Rugby League was first, the clubs came second. Rugby League must survive. I mean, we've been through a lot. This is something totally different because 
the rug's been pulled away. I reckon we'll be back on the field by July, August. Really? We're going to have an abbreviated competition. I think we'll have the grand final the last Sunday in November. You really think we're going to get back on the field? The NRL's going to get back on the field this year? I know Volandis is yes. desperate to get out there because he needs the, the broadcast rights dollars, but yes. what if he and runs into... What, what if the, we'll get finals. At least, I believe, the semi-finals will be played in front of crowds. I think that the, the crisis... Oh, geez, that's a big call. It's a big call. And in particular, the grand final will be at will be at the SCG. I have no doubt about that. I really believe it'll still be there. There's a, there's a lull in proceedings, and if they can get a, uh, a Shield match to move, it will happen because the ground doesn't well, need to be ready until... Uh, the problem will be the, uh, the men's T20 Cricket World Cup that's due in October. Yeah, it won't be Shield. They have to somehow move the... Uh, 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 if it's a match between India and Australia, a semi-final of the Men's T20 Cricket World Cup, that won't be moved at all. Well, we've got to hope that they haven't cancelled that yet. So there's still, you know, potentially could happen. Um, I mean, so that's the thing is that the borders are closed. And I think at least the thing about... That's the, the other thing too. The borders, the, the Queensland borders are shut tight at the moment and you're going to need them to be opened unless there's a sweetheart deal done, which leads to politics, well, which leads talking, to... Yeah. Talking about that, I bought, I bought Mrs Albie some tulips today and I said to her, I said, well, maybe it's time for something. She said, no, I respect the Prime Minister social distancing rules. I said, thank you very much. So she's still got the flowers. But anyway, that's fine. <laughs> that's I'm out another story. Dear, um, we're trying to keep uh, this a G-rated program. Please. Please. All right. One, la- one last thing, thing then. The one- thing about Peter Brandes is that at least he talks the game up. And that is, that is so refreshing is that he wants it to happen. Now, the one thing is that he'll either die trying or, or, or die. That's with him, Peter Brandes. You know he's a one-in-all-in guy. Uh, and he always has been, and he, and he always has been. You know where you stand very quickly with him. If you're a mate of his, you're a mate forever. If you're an enemy, you're an enemy for for life plus one day, and that's the thing. But, and that's okay. Rugby league's full of grudges, so I can handle that part of it. But he comes from the streets that we all came from. That's the bonus. You know, the last couple of CEOs, up until really, really, since Mulwicka, when you think about it, every other CEO's never really played the game at any level. Um, and Peter Vlandis at least plays the game, and he's passionate about it. You can tell it when, when he speaks it. I mean, he doesn't pronounce the word as right as what you really want, but he, you can tell that he truly appreciates the game, and his passion for it knows no bounds. He's going to have to make a decision eventually whether it's going to be racing or rugby league. I don't think he can do both. Well, so that's, well that's another story, because I know he's passionate about both, but right now... He's trying to press ahead and get rugby league back on the field. I'm not sure whether he can because the decision's got to be taken out of his hands by governments, particularly if um, a Scott Morrison or a Gladys steps in and says, no, you can't play because it's still not safe. It may end up like that. Uh, yeah, well, bit by bit as the numbers drop. They have dropped a little bit. I mean, it's just the, uh, the less, less people are being infected. And then if that number can keep dropping, I think that is the code for um, for where things are going. And, and you're a stats man, and I'm a stats man, and we bet the odds, and sometimes we bet against the odds. And I think when you get to a stage where you say, right, well, we're down into the 20s, well, that's pretty good. It may be. We can see how we go. So, you know what, it could, it, could, uh, it could be a little bit of a blessing with what they're doing right at the moment. I'm, that's another story for another day. But if we can keep reducing those numbers and if we can get the game up by 
I'm thinking, I honestly think one June is, is way too ambitious. One, one July is way too ambitious. I, think, I still don't I think they're going to get on the field this year, to be honest with you. I think it'll be August. Well, I hope you're right. Uh, it'd be great if we did come back. I know that the New South Wales Rugby League is still semi-optimistic about getting the Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield and Women's Premiership back this year. You need grassroots. You need them desperately. And I know I was talking to a couple of other junior presidents and they would love to at least get eight weeks up. You know, there'd be no break straight into it. Give the kids something to get it out of their system. We all need it. And it would be fantastic. And then we'll put it aside and we'll come back next year. Uh, but it's, just, it, it's, it's sad for a million reasons and I hope that things get, them, get themselves sorted out as quickly as possible. Well, we all hope they do. Um, I'm not sure whether the, uh, the health numbers will allow it because the bottom line, and I've said this from day one, the one thing that is the game changer is a vaccine and we are miles away from a vaccine at this stage. Tell us about then um, this initiative about going on the website then about trying to support the Jets through these times for as much or as little as you can. Well, it, 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 the packages start from $10, you know, so you get a link, you get access to uh, some great paraphernalia there. You know, if you're a kid that can only afford $10, that's okay. We, you know, we'll send you out something. Uh, if you want the whole nine yards, what you'll get is, is that great Ampol. I think it's Ampol, if memory serves me right. Yep. Uh, that, and, that, and that's number one. You also get a, a link to a, a documentary that's been uh, produced uh, about last year's... Um, uh, Premiership. Grand final victory, mm-hmm. and and it's been done. It's been done very well by Jason Pritchard, who is, believe it or not, doubles as Mr. Jetman uh, on a Saturday afternoon. Doesn't get any money for it; just goes around in a suit. He, he must lose so much weight because it's pretty hot in there. Absolutely. So he does that on a Saturday afternoon, but then he tries to help out the club as best he can because his uncle played for the club many years ago, and I think that you know we all. We all deep down wanted to have a crack and wear that beautiful blue jersey, but not all of us had the opportunity. Um, so there's there's some of the things that are happening for Newtown, and then we want you to become a member. I mean, the the, the great one is uh, is of course the um, uh, the eighty nine seventy two package, uh, but you know you've got a beautiful designed uh, digital print. We've got a PDF that you can send to you, a twenty twenty membership, uh, and you know so if you're already a member, you can top it up for ten dollars. If you're not a member, you can you can just look it out. There are packages to suit everyone. The 1943 special, and if you want to be the full, go the whole nine yards. There's one for sixteen hundred and fifty dollars. Well, that's uh, good luck trying to afford that at the moment. But anyway, that's at NewtownJets.com.au. NewtownJets.com.au. Thank you so much, Albie Tallarico. Look after yourself. Stay safe. Keep your social distance. And we look forward to the day where we can all go back and call the game we love in the not-too-distant future. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Tony. Hope with a dash of realism and pragmatism, it's got to be said, from Albie Tallarico, a director of the Newtown Jets. They have no choice but to look forward to 2021 and a return and what a party it will be by the sounds of things at Henson Park for nearly every home game that they will play next season. All right, we've reached half time on this edition of Splinters. We will speak after the break with the Chief Executive Officer of the New South Wales Rugby League, Dave Trodden, to get the official line and where they see things headed for the rest of this year as this episode of Splinters continues. 
The 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and The Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and also on the web on a Tuesday night at www.triplehfm.com.au and then after that at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes, Steel Sports, League Whistle and all the bad places as well Dosencast, Mearscast, whatever Time to get back into this special edition of uh, splinters as we continue the fallout of the COVID-19 emergency which has engulfed our lives across all aspects of life and sport and the New South Wales Rugby League no different. The hierarchy led by their Chief Executive Officer Dave Trotten have had to make some unenviable calls and some hard decisions in recent weeks. I caught up with Dave Trotten last Sunday. It was uh, hard to believe that three weeks ago, even three months ago, that we would be in the situation that we find ourselves in with no football, no sport, everyone in lockdown, observing social distancing, and the term flattening the curve has taken on a new meaning in 2020. It will be a buzzword that will live with us for a long time. And so the, the pressure has been heaped on the various individuals that, have to make the big decisions across all sectors of our society and none the least of which is the New South Wales Rugby League which affects all grassroots rugby league below the NRL played in the state of New South Wales. They've had to make some tough decisions in recent times. There are hopefully no more to come but there may be one or two. To take us through what's happened and what may be happening in the future it's our pleasure, although it would have been nice to have been under much uh, more pleasant circumstances, that we have the Chief Executive Officer of the New South Wales Rugby League, Mr David Trotten, online as our special guest interview this afternoon on this COVID-19 emergency edition of Sunday Live. David, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Tony, and uh, very happy to be joining you this afternoon. Indeed. Take us through, then, the, the timelines where the decisions have been made to bring us to the point where we're at now, where on a gorgeously fine Sunday afternoon, we have nothing to do, basically, except to sit at home and keep our social distance. The first timeline was around that March 14-15 period when the competitions were initially suspended. Take us through that timeline first and how yeah, it all I, panned I, out. I think, I think the point that needs to be made uh, Tony, which I think you, you probably made in your introduction, is that things have just changed so, so rapidly, haven't they? Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, there was a, a decision made when the NRL competition started that uh, that people at outdoor venues had to be limited to 500. And, you know, we had uh, the Prime Minister earlier in, in that week uh, saying that, uh, you know, we should continue to live our lives and continue to go to the footy so long as... Uh, 
we weren't uh, suffering any illness ourselves. And he said, in fact, I'll be going to watch the Sharks that, that particular weekend. And then, you know, 48 hours later, um, he, uh, he he had changed that advice, no doubt for a very, very good reason. Sort of 48 hours after that, um, there, there were travel restrictions that were imposed. And so within a week, you know, we went from having uh, NRL games with, uh, with crowds at those games to being in a position where you know, we were in the early stages of a lockdown. And so uh, we, uh, at the New South Wales Rugby League, through that whole period of time, were in close contact with the NRL, and in particular with um, Paul, Dr Paul Bloomfield, who's the, uh, the, the NRL uh, medico, and relying heavily on their advice, you know, to work together with the government, government, uh, government agencies providing their advice about what should happen. But as events um, escalated, like every other sport, we were really left with no um, alternative other than to suspend uh, some of our competitions and then ultimately a few weeks ago to cancel, um, or one week ago, in fact, to cancel uh, some of the competitions that, um, that involve... Uh, NRL clubs, you know, in particular the Canterbury Cup competition and the Jersey Fleet competition. So things have, things have changed really rapidly. Um, we've had to uh, stay as agile as we can. We've, uh, we've had to um, uh, have uppermost in our minds uh, the, the, the health and safety of our players, but all of our other stakeholders as well. Um, you know, the coaches, the managers, all of the volunteers, uh, the spectators that go to our games. And so our board in coming to the decisions that they've come to. I mean, that's, they're, they're, the, they're the sort of um, considerations that have been uppermost in their minds. And, um, and you know, on the basis of all the medical advice and the basis of the decisions that governments at various levels have made, the game really had no alternative other than to suspend uh, the competitions that have been suspended. So that brings us to the second timeline, of course. That was the timeline around, as you mentioned, a week ago, Friday the 27th of March, when... The decision was made um, to abandon and terminate those junior competitions, boys and girls, basically from under 16s to under 23s across New South Wales, and then particularly the Canterbury Cup. Uh, I, doing my research, it's hard to believe that through the history of the New South Wales Rugby League that goes back 112 years and has gone through two world wars, a Great Depression, a recession we had to have, 27 Prime Ministers... 29 Premiers of New South Wales, 30 Hornsby Mayors, 50 Kiringai Shire Presidents and Mayors, that there has always been a Premier competition awarded by the New South Wales Rugby League at the end of every year, except this year with the Canterbury Cup having to be abandoned. How hard was it to take that leap and make that tough call, the toughest of all? It's a terribly difficult decision because the competition... I mean, just reciting the history of the thing. New South Wales Rugby League is the oldest rugby league organisation in Australia. And, uh, and and it's a terribly, terribly difficult decision. But I think what you're highlighting when you recite um, all, all of those different things is that you're emphasising, Tony, the uniqueness of the, of the position we currently find ourselves in. So, you know, you go through um, the Depression, you go through the World Wars, you go through all of those things. I don't think society in all that time has ever been in the position that we've been in at the moment where, there has, where there's essentially a lockdown um, of society. And so the, 
the particular circumstances that we find ourselves in right at the moment are circumstances that I don't think have occurred at any time in that 112, 113-year um, history that you're talking about. And so it's a terribly, terribly difficult thing to do. But ultimately, um, ultimately, the responsibility of the board is the, is the health and safety of, um, of our players and all of our other stakeholders, but also... Um, also um, ensuring that New South Wales Rugby League are part of the solution for the broader society rather than being part of the problem. And so, you know, you put it in that context and the board probably didn't have uh, any decision to make other than the one that they made. So, Tony, the Canterbury Cup and Jersey Fleet competitions are, uh, are a little bit different from the other competitions which haven't been cancelled in that it's more difficult for us to get those competitions operating in a meaningful way once we get once we get through this crisis because those those competitions are inextricably linked um, to NRL clubs and NRL um, players, um, in particular to um, you know sort of quarantining arrangements that NRL clubs and their players have, and so. Uh, uh, that difficult decision to um, to cancel those competitions as against the suspension of the, you know the likes of the Ron Massey Cup and the, the Sydney Shield um, was sort of motivated by all of those factors. But you know, they're terribly, terribly difficult thing to do, and uh, and uh, and uh, really momentous, particularly when you put it in the terms that that you that you've just put them in. Yeah, absolutely. Now your 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 fan your your hand was probably forced particularly with the New Zealand Warriors situation and given the, the four-week total lockdown that the New Zealand government put that nation in, especially when those players went back to New Zealand, we're talking to Canterbury Cup players now, went back to New Zealand uh, when they did, it would have made it almost logistic, logistically impossible to conduct a, a Canterbury Cup without them, an 11-team competition. It would have made it extremely hard. Well, well as you say, it made, it made it impossible for the Warriors to compete, but there are a couple of other factors um, as well. Firstly, we don't have the same ability as the NRL competition does to extend the term of the competition you know, right up until Christmas as the NRL might do because there's, there are issues about ground availability, there are issues about um, contractual um, periods for you know, periods of player contracts which all expire um, at the end, or typically expire at the end of... Um, October, there's a whole lot of things that mitigate against us being able to extend the competition. So what that means is that the window for us uh, in the Jersey Flag and the, um, and the Canterbury Cup is actually quite different from the, the window that might exist in other competitions. And so we're at a point where you know, to conduct a meaningful Canterbury Cup and Jersey Flag, we really had to be starting that competition by about 1 June in order to get a full round in before the um, scheduled um, completion date. And uh, when we got to a point where it seemed unlikely that that was going to be the case, uh, and Queensland got, got to the same point as well, um, one of the things that's also been uh, live in the minds of our board is to act uh, in a unified way as a game. And so the decision that we made in relation to the under-20s competition and the, and the Canterbury Cup uh, on the same day, the Queensland Rugby League made the equivalent decision in relation to their uh, Intrust Super Cup and Hastings Deering competition. So, um, so the options were fairly limited in the end, and, and thankfully we've got a bit more flexibility in the way we can construct uh, 
a Ryan Massey Cup and a uh, and a Sydney Shield competition and all of our regional competitions and other junior competitions. So uh, we're really hopeful in relation to those competitions we can get some meaningful stuff uh, happening and get those competitions up and running at some stage during the course of the year because. As well as, I mean, as well as, um, I mean, we're all rugby league lovers and we want to see rugby league, but um, I don't think we, we should ever lose sight of the uh, the really important social function uh, that sport generally plays in our in our society, but rugby league in particular, uh, you know, in regional areas especially. Um, you know, sporting clubs are often the focal point of local society and the quicker we can get uh, that focal point um, uh sort of uh, pumping again, uh, the better society will be for that. And so uh, we'll be doing everything we can to make sure that happens. And that's important given that you've now taken the CRL under the auspices, under the, the broad umbrella of the New South Wales Rugby League. I think you probably answered my earlier question about some whispers out there that you're a bit too hasty in making the decision to can and abandon the competitions now. But given that you had that June 1 deadline timeline in front of you, you were probably left with not much of a choice. Take us through the Massey Cup, uh, Sydney Shield and New South Wales Women's Premiership. They haven't been cancelled, terminated, abandoned for the year yet. What is the timeline there? When would the deadline for those competitions arrive where you are left with the same sort of decision? Well, we haven't, we haven't really fixed a, fixed a deadline because we're trying to remain as agile as possible because we want something to happen. So, so we want we want to we don't want to set deadlines for ourselves that um, you know that that uh, might prove difficult to meet, and therefore uh, you know you finish up cancelling competitions prematurely when um, there might there might be something um, that's possible. Harvey Norman Women's Premiership, for instance, the number of teams that compete in that competition um, are, are, there's, there's a less number of teams in that competition than some other competitions, so it's easier to get through a full round. Um, and we've got a whole lot of ideas about about how you could configure the Ron Massey Cup and the Sydney Shield, um, and, and so um, we've got a number of different planning scenarios. But you know, um, talking to Wayne Pearce uh, uh, regularly about um, what the NRL competitions have, have got in mind, you know, Wayne and the NRL are really, really confident that um, at least by July they'll be able to get footy happening again. And if we got footy happening again by July, then um, the permutations that exist for um, Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield uh, in, in our planning would, would still leave us with a really viable and interesting um, competition. So, Is uh, that a realistic time frame, given that the we really don't know uh, what when this curve is going to be flattened as far as the number of cases uh, hitting our society in Australia, in New South Wales, in the Greater Sydney Basin on a on a daily basis, or is that more hopeful than anything else? Well, it's hopeful, but you've got to remain hopeful um, because I think I think uh, um, nobody really knows. I mean, um, we rely on the medical advice that we get from uh, the NRL uh, medical advisors, and I know they're very. Uh, I mean, they're more than hopeful; they're optimistic. Um, but in circumstances where you know, as you said in your opening, Tony, uh, things have changed so rapidly just in the last three-week period, it's almost impossible to, to predict what things are going to be like three weeks or a month from now. And so I guess what that means is that um, you try and uh, plan for as many possibilities um, 
as you can within that period of time, and you don't rule things out before you absolutely have to rule them out because um, because of the rapidity with um, with which things are are um, happening. So, uh, you know, the early signs of the, of the flattening of the curve in the last um, week or so uh, give us reason to be optimistic, um, give us reason to be hopeful, but certainly. Um, you know, we're not at a position yet where we can make um, concrete decisions about when competitions might start. But, um, but you know, the object of the exercise is to play footy, Tony, not to not to not play footy. So um, we we won't be cancelling those competitions unless and until there is absolutely no prospect of competitions being able to be played this year, and I think we're a fair, fair way away from that just at the moment. All right. Well, then uh, you'll be watching that uh, with some uh, earnest and and be keeping a very close eye on that as the weeks pass. The Fiji Silk Tales is one piece of the moving feast that is the Ron Massey Cup and the Sydney Shield. Um, we all know the the efforts they took to actually get to the start line and that thumping first up win over the Windsor Wolves. Uh, and now we've led to the situation where we have this international in-and-out lockdown into Australia. Uh, are some of those plans... Sadly, including no Fiji silk tails in the Ron Massey Cup this year. Yeah, so we, so we've, we've got a we've got a plan for that for um, for obvious reasons, Tony. Um, one of the possibilities that we had been talking to the silk tails about. So this is a possibility, um, rather than a probability or anything more than that. But one possibility is that if we're able to get the Ron Massey Cup um, up and running again. That you know, you, you might consider um, the Silk Tails uh, coming to Sydney, um, staying in the base that they had planned to stay in for the season, self-isolating for 14 days and just staying here till the end of the season. But whether that's a practically whether that's a practical option or not really depends on the length of time that uh, that would happen for and. Um, you know, how far away that possibility might be. You'd have to get we that, real... and you'd have to get that past uh, a few uh, medical officers for a start, yeah, and, sure. and 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 the and the odd prime minister or two. Sure, sure. The, so we're in we're in um, we're in reasonably constant um, contact with the Department of Foreign Affairs about that because the Department of Foreign Affairs um, were the government department who provided significant encouragement for. Um, for the Fijian team to play in the competition in the first place. There's a whole lot of considerations. I mean, and, and in some respects, you know, the continuation of footy is one of the more minor ones. I mean, you don't want, you don't want, uh, for instance, uh, Fijian players coming to Australia, self-isolating just to play footy and then perhaps, um, you know, finishing up being uh, infected with the virus themselves. That would be a... A, you know, catastrophic outcome if that's what happens. So there's a whole lot of considerations, but we haven't totally ruled out their, their ongoing participation in the competition just yet. Uh, so you'll be looking at things, or you'll be continuing to look things on a, a weekly, daily, uh, hourly. Well, I wouldn't say hourly basis. That's probably a bit too extreme, but certainly on a daily and weekly basis. Yourself, your board, yep. your uh, your 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 team, who I understand are all, or by the majority, are working from home right now. You haven't. Had to make that tough call yet internally. Oh no, we have. So, um, so there's a lot of everyone is working from home, but a lot of them are working from home on substantially reduced hours. Um, so yeah, we've made some we've made some tough calls already, and we've had we've got some employees who've made some significant um, personal sacrifices 
to keep things going. But now we have an executive committee at our place that meets um, every 48 hours, and uh, so we update uh, all of those plans on a on a 48-hourly on basis and report to the to the board um, after each of those meetings. So yeah, there's, there's certainly a, a, a very um, significant ongoing review of all of our operations. You certainly want to avoid the situation where you have to make the ultimate tough call as the CEO and tell some very good people in there that despite all the sacrifices they've already made that you can't keep them on and you have to stand them down. I suppose that's one of the last resorts that you're left with. Well, the object of the exercise is is not for some of us to get through this, but for all of us to get through it. So, So that's the people who are employed in the game. That's all of the clubs. It's not just the NRL clubs. You know, it's all of the clubs. It's the uh, it's the Cronulla Sharks. It's the Newtown Jets. It's the Asquith Magpies. It's uh, St Marys. It's everybody. It's also uh, it's also the Leichhardt Juniors under sixes and the um, and the you know the West Wollongong and all of the regional teams. Um, the object of the exercise is for all of us to get through it. Um, and uh, you know that that's where all of our energies have to um, to be directed. Certainly, where my energies are being directed at the moment. So um, we're going to get rugby league through the thing in the, in the, in the best possible shape we can because um, uh, it's not only the NRL clubs that are the lifeblood of the, of the game. There's 160,000 people that play the game outside of the um, NRL, 100,000 of whom um, play in New South Wales. So we're going to make sure that we get all those people through the game. That's through through this current uh, crisis as well. How do you see the game looking like? There's a lot of people that are saying out there this is an opportunity to press the reset button, uh, press the rejig button and do things a little differently. Um, Is this an opportunity for yourselves right across the board to reset once we get to the other side of this? Is it going to be business as usual or will things never be the same? I think uh, I would be surprised across the whole of society, Tony, if things um, after the coronavirus were exactly the same as they were before uh, we entered it. I think that uh, our whole society is set for a bit of a a reset, um, to use your word. And I think um, all sporting organisations will probably um, be part of that reset. but as I said, I mean, if there is a reset, it should be a reset um, that is um, that, that is sort of governed by um, intelligent decisions that people want to make for uh, the better of the game, rather than a reset which is governed by uh, people who haven't been able to survive the coronavirus um, crisis. Because I want to make sure that everybody. Uh, in New South Wales Rugby League, um, under New South Wales Rugby League responsibility, at least um, manages to get through this and manages to have the opportunity to be part of the game moving forward in whatever form, um, you know, best suits them. What's your gut feel? We all want to get back on the field and we all want to play as, as quickly as possible, but what's your gut feel about where we're headed in 2020? Do you really think we'll uh, get back on the field this year? Yeah, I do. I'm confident. I'm confident we will. I'm confident we will. How about yourself personally? I mean, it all takes a different toll on individuals differently, and you're no different, I would presume, to everybody else's. Uh, Mrs Trodden found things for you to do around the house. Have you found yourself having to get away from the house chores now that you're in self-isolation at home to get through your weekends? 
I couldn't get by with that, Mrs. Trotten, because she does everything around the house. I'm, I'm incapable of doing uh, <laughs> it. She doesn't trust me with any of the household chores, and that's a really good thing for me. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive without her. But um, you know, March is a pretty difficult month for, uh, for everybody. I mean, a lot of people had a lot of sleepless nights in March and continue to have um, sleepless nights. But but you know, we'll get, we'll, we will get through it. The good news is um, we will get through it. Also. Uh, that's where we have to. Um, that's where we have to keep our focus. I think. One last thing before I let you go, because time's on the wing. You've mentioned that you've been in reasonably co- close contact, but from a distance from the NRL, you've had conversations with Peter Valandis and Todd Greenberg. They are seem to be very determined to get this game back on the field by uh, July. They are probably the right men to be in the right position at the moment, from what you've seen of them. Uh, they, they, they're doing an outstanding job at the moment. Um, they will get on, 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 you know, they will get the game on by the first of July. Um, one thing that has happened uh, as a result of this crisis, I think, is that um, people have become um, really uh, aware of the need um, for a unified approach in the game and a, and a need as well um, to totally support. Um, the leaders of the game, and that's a really good thing. And um, so I think they're leading the game really well at the moment, and I think everybody's um, 100% uh, behind the leadership that they're currently displaying. And uh, likewise uh, with yourself, it's not an easy time. Um, These are uh, life-changing and uh, epoch-making moments. I'm sure that people are going to look back when we're all gone in 50 and 100 years' time and look back at this as one of the most momentous occasions in our history, in our time. I've said that we've read and learned in our schooling when we grew up about wars and depressions and we thought it would never happen to us, but it's happening to us. It's our time right now. We thank you so much for your time. We'll try and keep in touch, particularly as decisions are made along the way and maybe, fingers crossed, a decision that we get back on the field with the Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield before the end of the season. Dave Trodden, thank you so much for your time on Sunday Live. Happy to join you anytime, Tony. Deep down, we all share Dave Trotten's optimism of getting back on the field in some way, shape or form in the Ron Massey Cup, Sydney Shield and New South Wales Harvey Norman Women's Premiership this season. Let's hope that that optimism is not based on hope rather than pragmatism and reality. Time will tell there. Well, the referee has blown full time on this edition of Splinters. Many thanks for your company. We'll catch up again next Tuesday night with another edition of Splinters as we continue to give you the best in behind-the-scenes sports reporting as we make our way through this COVID-19 emergency. Until then, my name is Tony Dawson. For this episode of Splinters, it's goodbye.